right, everybody, welcome to your first bonus edition slash episode of Strong Words with Ian Strong for the year 2020. Again, as I had said before in previous episodes, I have all of these really great shot glass diaries that I'd like to be able to share with you about trips that I've taken all over the world that I've commemorated through a series of dozens of shot glasses that I have in my collection. And I want to be able to share my experiences and my trips with you through a series of shot glass diaries that I'm going to be doing here every single month on the show. This month's starting with uh, one of the first ones, the more, possibly the first shot glass that I ever bought down in New Orleans, Louisiana, when I went with my high school marching band to perform at the Sugar Bowl. So let's get into the first bonus episode of Shot Glass Diaries right here on Strong Words with Ian Strong. Hit that shot glass music. Shot Glass Diaries. So this edition of Shot Glass Diaries may end up being my oldest one because I don't know if I have a shot glass older than this one that I bought during my freshman year of high school in New Orleans, Louisiana. And and by that, I mean we are going to be traveling all the way back to the 1997 to 1998 school year. Uh, which was my freshman year at Carlisle High School in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And at the time, I uh, was enrolled in the Carlisle High School marching band as a trombone player. And every other year or so, I, I don't know if they still do it to this day because of the decline in popularity in musical programs in schools, but every other year, the band would do a, uh, a big trip. And the trip that I was privy to during my freshman year was when the band was amongst, I, I want to say five or six other high school bands were invited to New Orleans, Louisiana to play during the halftime show of the Sugar Bowl, which is one of the biggest college football bowl games that's, that's out there. It's still played to this day. Uh, I don't know if they. St- I don't know if it still takes place in the uh, in the Superdome in Louisiana, but back in 1997, I mean, the game itself was played on New Year's Day in 1998 between Florida State and Ohio State. Now, not every member of the uh, high school marching band gets the opportunity and privilege to go because you have to raise money for it. And me being from a uh, a very lower end of the middle class family was unsure whether or not I would be given the opportunity to go. There were a lot of fundraising opportunities out there, and I remember there was a couple of weekends that uh, my entire family spent with me at the car show in Carlisle, which is huge in central Pennsylvania. Throughout the summer, they have various car shows that basically stop traffic throughout the entire town for the entire weekend. And at the uh, the car show fairgrounds, they would have, you know, booths set up for, you know, various uh, foods and merchandise and things that you can buy. And the Carla High School Marching Band would have a uh, little booth set up to uh, sell food to try to uh, raise money for the, the program and the students in it. And my family volunteered with me to do it uh, one or two weekends to try to save up some money. And then we did some other fundraising means. And, you know, thankfully, my parents were willing to uh, foot the cost the the rest of the way because, I I mean, I didn't really have a job at the time. I was only 14, 15 years old. 
and we uh, were given the opportunity to, or they gave me the opportunity to go. And we ended up leaving the day after Christmas, which it checked off a lot of firsts for me. This was the first time that I had ever been on an airplane. This was the first time that I had ever traveled somewhere out of state without my family. I mean, we had vacationed a few times in uh, Ocean City, New Jersey when I was a kid, but I'd never uh, really been to a whole lot of other places outside of the state without uh, without my family there and uh, without of a whole lot of supervision. I mean, there'd be chaperones and whatnot throughout the entire duration of the trip, but th- th- this was the, the first time doing that. And I, I was kind of nervous at first. Uh, you know, this was this is pre nine eleven, so a lot of people's fears about flying weren't anywhere near as prevalent as they were during that time. But for my being a first time on the plane, which luckily for me, I was on one of three groups that that flew to New Orleans. But our group was the only one of the three that didn't have a a layover. We we had a direct flight. I, I want to say it was from Baltimore, BWI Airport to uh, to New Orleans, and. I mean, throughout the course of this week in which we were going to be in New Orleans, it definitely wasn't a vacation. I mean, they, they had an itinerary for us to, to do some touristy things and some field trips. And we also had to prepare for the uh, performance itself and try, try to meet, you know, the other bands that we were going to be performing with and get our performance down. And, you know, also having a lot of practice, uh, you know, learning the song that we were going to play, which I, I don't remember specifically the song we were going to play. I, I remember part of the song was the instrumental that they used to use for the uh, the beef commercials like it's what's for dinner which I don't know if you even are old enough to remember that but the fact that I even still remember to this day kind of blows my mind but that that was the song that we were supposed to play with the other bands during this halftime show and uh, when we got down to New Orleans and we checked into our uh, hotel which was only like a block away from Bourbon Street we we knew that because we were, you know, minors that we would never go out anywhere in public without some type of chaperone or accompaniment and there wasn't going to be a whole lot of downtime anyway because of all of these various activities that they had planned for us but uh one one of the first things that they had arranged for us was to take us all out in a whole bunch of groups and do a tour of the French Quarter which was really cool to to see and experience. I got a lot of pictures of some of the history of that area, and uh, they they took us through some of the more you know landmark type places in the French Quarter. And I I remember I went into a music store when we were coming back from the French Quarter, and I bought the uh, the Smashing Pumpkins double disc album. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I don't know why I still like those. Those are just random memories that I still just remember to this day. Even though that was, dare I say, twenty twenty one years ago. But I remember that that was where I bought that specific album, and it, it had been out for a while. But I hadn't actually had a copy of it, and that kind of became like my soundtrack for the week because I had my disc man with my rechargeable batteries at the time. Which, ooh, interesting story to that. I almost forgot about this facet of the story. So my younger sister, Courtney, gives me grief all the time about how I broke her ankle right when we were around this age. I was 14. She was probably 12 or 13. And it has to do with the disc man and batteries that I took with me on this trip. So back then, I used to have this Panasonic battery charger, which I would use to recharge 
the AA batteries that I use to uh, to play my Discman. Now, for those of you who are listening that don't know what a Discman is, a Discman is a is a portable CD player that you used to use to listen to music, and you'd have to listen to one CD at a time. You couldn't, you know, you could skip tracks, but you couldn't, it wasn't anything like the the playlist you have today. You had to literally insert the CD. If you had a good one, it had like a shock absorber on it to where like you can tap it a couple of times before the CD would start skipping. But I, I would use these Panasonic rechargeable batteries to uh, to power up my, my Discman. And at the time, I had loaned a bunch of them to my younger sister, Courtney, and I wanted to get them back so that I could pack them for the trip. And for one reason or another, I don't know, you know who cares at this point, but she was refusing to give them back to me and I was not taking no for an answer. And it was around this time that I was really getting into uh, professional wrestling. One of my favorite wrestlers at the time was Ken Shamrock, who I didn't even know about his UFC career at the time. I just really loved his intensity and his character and the way that he looked. He just looked so badass and and just like a loose cannon. And, and his um, finishing submission maneuver was called the ankle lock, where he would grab you by the ankle and he would kind of twist it until you would tap out. And I had never done that before. And, you know, I never, you know, adhered to the warnings of don't try this at home. But once Courtney made it uh, pretty clear that she was not going to take time out of whatever that was that she was doing at the time to give me back the batteries that I had so graciously loaned her. She was literally trying everything to get away from doing it. She tried to get on the computer, and I'd unplug the computer. She tried to turn on the TV, I'd unplug the TV. She tried to get on the phone, I'd unplug the phone. And and all I said was, I'm trying to pack for this trip. Just give me back my GD batteries. And eventually it led to where I I grabbed her leg, and I put her in this this submission maneuver. I started twisting on her ankle, and I barely applied any pressure before you hear this... And, and at, at that point, like, I immediately released her ankle. She starts screaming at the top of her lungs, and I just start freaking out. I'm not too ashamed to say that I started pr- bawling because not only was I terrified at what was going to happen when my mom found out about this, but I also genuinely felt horrible over what I had just done to my sister because as far as I knew, I snapped her ankle in two. That's what it sounded like and felt like in my in my hands. And... I, I immediately called my mom, uh, who was at work at the time, and told her about what happened. And she came home and took Courtney to the hospital. And they, they found that it didn't actually break. I just uh, had severely uh, sprained the ligaments. And that, that cracking sound that I heard was me literally snapping the, the ligaments in her ankle. Uh, so she got fitted for an air cast for a couple of weeks and ended up missing a couple of weeks of volleyball season. Now, to this day, when she retells that story, and maybe I'll get her on on here someday to tell her version of the story, even though it was over 20 years ago, she'll maintain that I broke her ankle. But if I were to have broken her ankle, she wouldn't have been fitted for an air cast and she wouldn't have been able to walk on it the, the day that she left with that air cast on. So I, I maintain, you know, my, my guilt to this day overdoing it. I wish that it hadn't escalated that far. I wish that, you know, she had handled things differently and I handled things differently. But again, it's all part of the story. And eventually I did get my batteries back and I took them with me down there and I listened to Melancholy and The Infinite Sadness pretty much on a loop between the two albums that were on a double album set. And the rest of the trip, you know, was pretty cool. We we saw a, a lot of Bourbon Street at night, which is just a, a, a cool party atmosphere kind of similar to like what you see on TV, but not to the extent or the, 
it's not like Mardi Gras every night there. You just see like some street performers and, you know, a couple of the guys that I would see performing, be it, you know, a unicyclist or a saxophone player or a jazz player just playing on the streets, you know, you give them a tip or whatever. And the day after the tour of the French Quarter, they took us to the uh, the Superdome to do a tour of that stadium, which to this day is the uh, the same stadium that the New Orleans Saints play in. And I'm pretty sure it still hosts, I don't know if it's necessarily the Sugar Bowl, but another bowl game, one of the major ones they still host in that stadium. And this was also pre-Hurricane Katrina, so uh, there were still a lot of, of, of the original, you know, construction of the stadium still there and uh going through it i I remember at the time just kind of being really bored because you can only walk you know a concourse around a football field for so long if i ever get the opportunity to go back to new orleans i'm sure that if i were to do another tour of the the superdome that i would have a deeper appreciation for it being an adult and all the other things that have happened there since since the time i was there but for to a 14 year old kid you know, it's not the most exciting thing. You're just, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, whatever. Then they, they took us down onto the field so that we can start getting a feel for what it was going to be like to perform on that field, march on that field, whatever. And then the uh, the day after that, we got to meet a bunch of the other bands that we were going to be performing with and just started doing rehearsals for our time that we were going to be performing. We spent a couple of hours per day, every day, from that point on, getting ready and rehearsing for that. I don't remember it being a very uh, challenging choreography to uh, to this particular performance. Uh, I think they wanted to keep it as simple as possible and just kind of bring these bands together who you know had this opportunity to participate in this bowl game. Because, I mean, let's face it, nobody's watching the Sugar Bowl for the halftime show anyway. I don't even know if they broadcast halftime shows for bowl games on tv may you know obviously the super bowl but none of these college uh, games get uh, any type of airtime for the sugar bowl or for the halftime show for the sugar bowl one of one of the other things that we did while we were there was uh we we went to like a like a masquerade ball that they basically kind of put together for us where everybody could you know wear a little costume and go to a place it was basically you know no different than like a high school social which uh you know, at the time, again, being a 14-year-old boy, just kind of going through the motions and, you know, went to it and just hung out with my friends and just kind of kept to ourselves and, you know, whatever. And then uh, for New Year's Eve, because uh, we, we ended up spending the New Year's there because of the performance and the game being on New Year's Day, we went to a party that the uh, the chaperones or whatever had... Um, provided for us on one of the uh, the steamboats that takes you into the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, that was a really good time. I, I remember at the time that uh, one of my friends had his uh, his rear end his rear end grabbed by one of the uh, female seniors in the band and he he wanted to like acknowledge it but you know we're, we're 14 year old prepubescent kind of pubescent boys. Uh, not really sure how to handle that type of situation. And I just said, screw it. And I just grabbed her butt right back, which nowadays I'd probably get my hand chopped off for in this country. But uh, I, I just remember she kind of turned around, laughed, smacked me in the face and, you know, whatever. And it's kind of funny that to this day, I didn't know this at the time, but uh, that girl ended up being like a really, really good friend of my older sisters who was also a senior at the time, but didn't play in the marching band. 
Uh, so anytime my sister to this day still brings up that girl's name, I, I always recall the uh, the time that we were on the steamboat at New Year's Eve and I grabbed her butt because she grabbed my friends. And uh, and there, there, there really isn't too much, you know, more to that story other than, you know, they provided refreshments and whatnot. And there there was an incident during the trip where some of the uh, the seniors who were on the trip got caught uh, with alcohol. I, I know the the law in this country is 21 across the board, but in New Orleans, they're a little bit more lenient towards serving 18-year-olds. And some of the seniors who had been 18 had gotten caught and heavily reprimanded when they got back. I remember one guy in particular ended up losing a scholarship because of the whole incident. And that that was something that we had just heard about from our hotel rooms because, you know, us being 14, 15-year-old freshmen didn't weren't really given the same freedoms that some of the 18-year-old seniors were. The uh, the day of the the Sugar Bowl, after breakfast, I, I had a chaperone walk me across the street because I wanted to get a, uh, a souvenir, and I ended up picking up this shot glass, which, like I said, may be the, the oldest shot glass in my collection that I personally bought, and it ended up being perfect because one of the things I like to do when I buy these shot glasses is ensure that it tries to encapsulate the trip itself with whatever it is that I can get depicted on it. And this one with uh, gold lettering and black trim, just like the uh, the New Orleans uh, Saints uh, uniforms, it, it it has the Superdome on it, it has a steamboat on it, it has the French Quarter on it, and it, it's, it's one of my favorite ones, not just because of the story, but because of it including all of the things that I got a chance to experience while I was in that city. And it kind of served as a model for all the future shot glasses that I wanted to purchase when I would do these trips. So uh, this, along with all the other ones that I have, will be uh, will be featured online when this podcast goes up. Just check out the Twitter page at Ian Strong Words and you can see it. Hopefully I can get some good lighting when I display this one to show all of those things that, that I just said. But as far as uh, New Year's Day itself... We had uh, we we got bussed into the the Superdome, and uh, we we got into our our outfits or costumes, whatever it is you want to call them, and we actually got to enjoy the game from the field at at field level, which was was cool to experience. But at the same time, like I couldn't see anything. I mean, with the exception of like the 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 giant, you know. Uh, screen that they display the the game on with all the people that are on the field during the game you can't see a damn thing so and and plus i'm also there like you know in full regalia and with with my entire high school's marching band and going around the areas just the other marching bands as well and when it came time to uh to do the the halftime show we went out there and we did our performance and we got a nice round of applause and it's by far the uh, the biggest crowd that we had performed for uh, and that I've performed for in in any capacity you know we we've done a, a couple of the, the Carlisle High School marching band at the time was kind of like the 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 mecca in the state we we would place in the top you know 3 to 5 in the state every single year for the largest with the quad A or whatever it is they use to designate the marching bands that have the largest members, the largest number of members in the band, including the color guard. And, and so we had performed for some pretty big, you know, crowds before, but nothing, nothing like a fully packed, you know, Superdome crowd. 
that that was a really cool experience to to be on the field and perform for a crowd of that size and and whatnot and you know every everybody did a great job and then once we uh once we finished we got back on the bus and then we went to back to the hotel and then we we were only going to be given one more day left in the uh in the city before we were going to go home and i remember the the night before we left we had dinner at a uh, at a planet hollywood restaurant which is uh a restaurant kind of similar to like a hard rock cafe but instead of all of like the the music uh, props and instruments and stuff they have around it's it's all you know film and television based props and uh, i i actually think that there's still a few that exist today in in more places like new york and vegas and such but I, I remember this specific one that we had in New Orleans because I remember I ordered a burger and when I when it came back it was really really undercooked so I had sent it back and then they gave me another one and it was also very very undercooked and I, I'm not saying that I have to have a well done burger but I'm saying this thing is like uh, you, you bite into it and it starts bleeding so <laughs> it, I, I I particularly it, as far as my meats go I like a medium meat you know I wanted you know still a little pink on the inside but I still want it to be you know cooked. And I, I didn't realize just how undercooked this meat was before I had taken a bite or two from it. And by the time we actually ended up getting home uh, the next day and our plane landed and we were bused back to the school, I had full-blown food poisoning and ended up missing a good like three or four days of school after we came back from, uh, from the holiday. Because all the rest of the kids are still off for the Christmas break at the time. But uh, I, I ended up missing a, about an additional week or so from school just because of how sick I got. And I don't necessarily want to, you know, blame Planet Hollywood for that. But I, you know, the evidence is there that I, I ate this incredibly undercooked meat and it ended up making me incredibly sick. So uh, that pretty much uh, that's kind of a downer to the end of this story. But that is the uh, the end of this particular story. And uh, again, in my in my cabinet, in my kitchen. I have the uh, the shot glass to commemorate it, which has the uh, the the French Quarter and the Cafe du Monde and the steamboat and the Superdome on it. So if you want to check that out at my Twitter page, go check out at Ian Strong Words. And if you've ever been to the Superdome, if you've ever been to New Orleans, feel free to hit me up at Ian Strong Words or at, at How Ian Strong on Twitter, uh, because I'd love to go back to New Orleans someday and, and experience the city for what it has to offer as an adult. Again, there were a lot of things that I was limited to because of the fact that I was there on a school field trip as a minor with chaperones and wasn't really able to freely experience. So uh, if, if you're from New Orleans or if you've been to New Orleans, uh, hit me up on Twitter and let me know some things that I should check out because, I, I again, I just really would love to go back to New Orleans someday and I would appreciate some suggestions. So I hope that you enjoyed this edition of Shot Glass Diaries. And like I said before, you can look forward to one of these every single month right here on Strong Words with Ian Strong where I tell the story of some of the trips that I've been on over the years of my life and the shot glasses that I've purchased in these places to commemorate these stories. Some of them won't, won't always be me by myself on the microphone. I do have some guests uh, that I may have done some of these trips with that I'm looking forward to sharing with you as we continue to go on the journey of Shot Glass Diaries. But as far as Strong Words with Ian Strong goes, we're right back at it next week with another interview in which I brought in the bass player and one of the original members of the Suicide Puppets that you may have heard me talk about here on the show before, 
Johnny Suicide is going to sit down with me. We're going to talk about all things Suicide Puppets, the inception of their band, previous names that they went under, uh, memorable shows that they've done, and a lot of things that they have to look forward to here in 2020, including a song from the Suicide Puppets that I'll play right here on the show. So you can look forward to that next week, February 3rd, 2020. We are rolling right along here on uh, Strong Words with Ian Strong. So in the meantime, again, I'd just like to give a quick shout out to all of you out there who are supporting the show. Those of you that have reached out to me via text message or email or especially the Twitter pages at How Ian Strong, which is my personal Twitter page, or at Ian Strong Words, which is the podcast Twitter page. If you can give both of those a follow, I'd appreciate that. And as well as those of you who have subscribed and commented and left ratings and stars and all that stuff, I genuinely appreciate the feedback. It helps me do things that I want to do to try to make this show better, make this show more entertaining, and make this show one that you want to continue to listen to. So thanks again for checking out with Strong Words with Ian Strong. I'm your host, Ian Strong. I'll see you next week for the interview with Johnny Suicide. And in the meantime, stay safe out there. Make sure you spend a little bit of time every day doing something that you love. And if you got something to say, keep those words strong. How strong? Ian Strong. Strong words!